You're listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney. Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends. How's your run today? Slow. Yeah. I wasn't trying to hit a uh, certain mile. Just trying to hit a certain distance. Do you run a set number of miles every time you run? I have been trying to get ready for this marathon in a couple weeks. So When is it? Yeah. November 12th. All right. Welcome to this new podcast. And uh, hopefully it's the first of many and not the first and the last, but here we are. And um, I take this opportunity to introduce myself. I'm Dave Delaney, pastor of First Baptist Church, husband to Amanda, wife to... No. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. You should have said a wife to Dave Delaney, describing her. Well, that's what I was thinking. On a normal podcast, we'd go back and we would reshoot that. Not here. Not here, because this is an authentic conversation. <laughs> so uh, husband to Amanda and father to six kids. Um, I'm looking forward to a good conversation with my two friends here. And I've got Evan Schofield, Derek Wilkerson. They're going to introduce themselves here in just a moment. So Derek, you introduce yourself first. Hey, my name is Derek Wilkerson, and uh, I've been married to my wife, Jillian, for four years. And I've been... Uh, uh, assistant pastor in a couple different ministries here in First Baptist Long Beach since about 2017. And then we got Evan Schofield with us as well. Yeah, my name is Evan. Uh, my wife Allison and I have been married for about a year and a half now. Have a baby girl on the way who will be here in February, so we're gearing up for that. But we're going to get her on the show. She'll be on the show. I like it. She I will like come it. home from the hospital straight to the podcast studio. Don't she's even a, go home. No. She's you'll a cost, baby. You'll come to the podcast studio from the hospital. Okay. She's a baby influencer already. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see I said big things in her future. This is the uh, Faith by Hearing podcast, so thank you for jumping on with us and um, as the title says, we hope that that's exactly what happens. We hope your faith is encouraged. We hope your faith is strengthened as a result of the conversations that we have here. And the conversations that we want to have are um, what we would hope are authentic and genuine in their nature. But we want we hope that they're but they're also encouraging to you. And a lot of times, you know, people ask us, you know, why are you doing a podcast or why aren't you doing a podcast? And I think maybe it's probably the best place to start. To say that, you know, we're not doing this podcast as a way to replace the church in any kind of way. Uh, in fact, if you, if you have to go to church or listen to this podcast, you should go to church. Which is a very likely situation you'll find yourself in, the choice between those two. The, the Christian life is best lived out inside of a local congregation with a pastor, spiritual leaders, and people who know you, who love you, who care for you who'll visit you when you're sick, who bring you a meal when you need it, who'll pray with you when you're down. And we are not doing this podcast in any way to speak negatively or derogatorily toward the church. We we love the church. In fact, that's what we all do. We all work at First Baptist Church. We're all involved in it, and we feel like that's what God has called us to do with our lives. And so if you're tuning into our podcast, you need to know that we love the church and, and we aren't here in any way to step in place for. In fact, we would see the podcast as a supplement to what you are getting in your spiritual life for you and and not the main source. Yeah, I think that's, at least speaking for myself, that's the, what I'm most excited about behind this is the opportunity, firstly, to encourage our church family, you know, and be a benefit to those that we minister to on a weekly basis, 
um, but also, you know, to supplement the work and labor of your pastor and those who influence you and just uh, be another voice for truth, uh, speaking into the lives of Christians. Yeah, and we'd love for you to let us know, you know, where do you go to church? Who's your pastor? We'd love for you to get into the timelines or or the comment section and tell us where you're listening from and uh, let us know how we can pray for your church and your congregation there where you are. But what we also recognize is that our tiny little podcast is not going to have all the answers to all the questions, and we don't pretend or believe that we know all the answers. But what we do believe is that inside of the providence of God, we have gained insight or wisdom that perhaps would be helpful while we live in some unusual times, to say the least. And I think that Christian folks, not just here in Long Beach, but all around the world, are looking for answers, and um, they're wanting things to be discussed and addressed and we believe that sometimes the best way to address or handle those kind of questions that might come up is inside of a conversation. And so that's what we want this podcast to be. We want it to be a conversation between friends about issues that we face, because we believe that that'll encourage not just us, but it will encourage those that listen. Because really, I mean, I think we're in Long Beach, California. We don't know where you know, all people could be listening from. But the truth is we're all facing very similar issues. And the the way that we have to confront the culture today in light of our faith, in light of God's truth, uh, no matter where you live or what you do, for those who are trying to follow Scripture, it, it really boils down to a lot of the same issues and questions that we would have. So I, I think that's how a conversation could be beneficial as well. Absolutely. I think one of the struggles in a digital world like we live in is establishing true relationship and meaningful friendship. And what we want this conversation to be able to be is an example of how conversations and questions can be asked, but how really how relationship and friendship can be had. And um, in fact, I think we would, we would start there, you know, find a good friend, take him out for coffee, send him a text message, give him a phone call. And, provide encouragement to them. And the Bible teaches us for a man to have friends, he must show himself friendly. And we would want to encourage you in that way to, man, find a good friend and be a good friend. And sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll say to the church here, if you'll be a friend, you'll have a friend. Right. And people who run around and go, well, I want a friend, I want a friend, I want a friend. Well, Solomon tells you how to do that. You know, right. be the kind of friend that you want somebody to be for you. And what you'll find in the end is friendship And we want to encourage everybody who's listening in that way. And maybe there's a friend that you know that is struggling or might need some encouragement or might be looking for answers. Send them the podcast, send them a link, and uh, send them a text message that just starts a conversation that hopefully will be a help to them. Absolutely. An hour in an authentic conversation with a friend, will uh, it's more work, but it's more rewarding than an hour of scrolling and trolling. Oh, for sure. I I think, too, that, you know, friendship and relationship for me has has encouraged me to be the kind of person that I ought to be. You know, when I when I have meaningful relationships, when I'm spending time inside of those meaningful relationships, when I'm letting those people speak into my life or I'm speaking into theirs, I find myself being the kind of husband I ought to be. I find myself being the kind of dad that I ought to be 
the kind of pastor that I ought to be. It, it encourages me to be who I, I really ought to be just in general. I don't think that necessarily has to be just by speaking verbally even, just, but just hanging around and observing other good friends, their lifestyles, the way they treat their families, the way they go about their business, the way they treat other people is a lot of times that just rubs off on you naturally yeah. too and yeah. kind of raises your own standard of how you do those things. Yeah. So just at this point, I, w- I want you to think about as you're listening, like who's been that kind of friend for you? For me, I was blessed to be able to marry my best friend. Amanda's always been that for me. She's been able to, from an early age, I met Amanda in junior high, and she's always been just an encourager. She's always been somebody who helps me to live up to the person that that I ought to be. But also in high school, I had a great friend named Brad, and um, he was always encouraging me that way. And so I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a measure of friendship at different stages or or ages in in our lives. I think as I've gotten older, some of my friendships have changed just because we've moved away or different occupations or, you know, life has just kind of taken its toll and moved somebody here, moved somebody there. But those friendships have continued to develop. But what about you? What's a, what's a, like a, like a best friend and encourager, someone who's kind of been there for you for that, who's kind of helped you, be who you know the Lord would really want you to be, a spiritual influence and a spiritual friend. I feel like for me, just specifically in my college years, I I met a a ton of good guys who not only were they, most of them were pretty much my peers. We were going through a lot of the same things together, but they really challenged me in ways that, you know, I hadn't been challenged before in just my my spiritual life and my work ethic and the way I handle my relationships. They really helped me in that way. Like I mentioned before, not necessarily by verbally speaking to me or by teaching me something, but just by being an example, Mm -hmm. by making it easier for me to do the right thing, to make the right decision, to live the right way. And those kind of friendships to me, I honestly think that gave me a good runway for life just to to continue to act on those things. What about you, Evan? I think a key that I kind of see through my life has been keeping older friends Really, I have friends my age, but for most of my life, I've tried to keep a core group of guys who are ahead of me in life. I remember in high school, there was a guy in my church, a friend of my dad's named David, and David was probably 15 years older than me, but for a couple of years there, I think I spent more time with him than anybody else. I'd work with him in the summers when I was off school. Uh, We fished together every week. I think about the influence that David had just that he could look at where I was at in my life and he could remember those struggles when he was just a few years back and speak into them from the from the backside of that and give so much insight and influence that frankly in your teenage years you're not listening to that from mom and yeah. dad but to hear it from david and other friends like that through college just older people who could turn look back and say i see where you're at i remember i remember being there and this is what i wish i would have handled differently and that's been very impactful uh, in my life. I think too, I mean, that to, to that point, like, I think you're, you're, as you grow, your friendships, they develop, they change, you know, cause you're needing different things at different times, different people who are speaking into your life. And when you're in high school, for example, you're spending eight hours a day at school, your best friend probably does whatever you do, plays basketball, plays football as an orchestra band, you know, speech class. So your, your friendships are going to be based around those things then kind of as you grow you get into college you're a little more serious about life and career then even into 
the first parts of your life, your family foundation. You know, I think it's important finding a a friendship that is speaking into your life at each stage of that and finding those older individuals who can not just be a friend, but can kind of model what you're wanting in life. Right. And uh, their marriage is faithful and true and there. But I also think another measure of friendship is somebody who is just there, you know, somebody who's just willing to listen and not someone who thinks that they have all the answers, but somebody who's there to encourage and um, lift you up. I think there's this passage in um, Ecclesiastes chapter four. I think I just found it. It's uh, verse number nine, and it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. And if two lie together, they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And everything Solomon is talking about in that passage is everything about friendship, relationship, accountability, having people in your life who you're giving them permission to speak into your life and you're wanting something substantial. Really, at this point, you know, I, I would encourage all of our listeners to, who is that person for you? And if you don't have somebody like that, find somebody like that. And just say, you know, I'm going to find somebody like that. And it's probably simpler than you think. Right. But let's talk about that for a second. Like, how do we find people in our lives who can be those kind of accountability structures? They can help us with responsibility. You know, how do you find a good friend? Right. I think it starts with, I mean, you touched on a little talking about showing yourself friendly. To find a meaningful relationship that benefits you, you need to go out and look to be a meaningful friend and benefit others. If you find those people in your life who are at a point of need in these areas, right? Someone you know that you may not realize right now, but someone that is in your sphere that does need truth spoken into their life, Mm -hmm. that does need this direction and just a listening ear. And if you identify areas and people in which you can be that, you'll find yourself surrounded by those same type of friends for yourself. Yeah. I think too, like, you know, when you think about friendship, there there can be an element to some of what we're talking about that can sound a little selfish, right? Right. So I want somebody speaking into me. I want somebody helping me. I want somebody doing these things for me. But what true biblical friendship is, those people are speaking into your life in your moment of need, but those individuals have moments of need too. Right. And that's what you're talking about, you know? So saying, go be a friend, that's the best way that you'll find a friend. And I think... Friendship is best found inside of some kind of commonality. You think about all the great movies that we love to watch. They all have kind of this common thing that they're headed toward. You know, the empire has to be defeated. And so here come all these people from different walks of life and different paths who never had their paths crossed before, who now all of a sudden, because they have this common goal, they're finding themselves on the same spaceship, you know, and they are. They're, at the end of the movie, they're like the best friends because they had a common direction, a common goal. And a lot of times that's what happens in friendship and relationship. It isn't necessarily something that you're waking up and you're walking around going up and down the street or through the hallways at church or in the in the office. Hey, be my friend. Hey, be my friend. Hey, be my friend. <laughs> right. You know, if you're doing that, you probably don't have any friends. <laughs> but you're you're someone who's saying, I have a common direction. 
I have a common goal. It's I don't know who said it recently. I heard it, but it basically he made the analogy that you know just trying to make friends face to face in that way, just hey, be my friend. Hey, you be my friend. It, it's not the same as like you said, two people with a common goal going the same direction, working shoulder to shoulder, have a completely different kind of bond. Especially in a church area, when you have the opportunities to serve, and you're with people who probably you're not a lot alike. You, if your only common denomination is Jesus Christ, you could be with anybody. Anybody could Absolutely. really be your friend. But when you're put shoulder to shoulder with those kind of people, that bond tends to grow. I, I know that just personally, that's been my experience. Most of the best friends I've ever had in my life have been all people I've worked closely with. And Absolutely. That kind of, kind of comes with just spending a lot of time together at work. But I think it also comes with the camaraderie of working together yeah. toward the same goal. I think when you're like when you're young, you know, just an example, you know, you're playing on the same football team. You have a common goal. We got to go beat the Giants. Right. That's the common goal. And everybody's fighting for it. And everybody's running laps and doing two a days and all that because they have a common goal. And your best friends are the guys you were playing football with. But what we're talking about something more substantial than that. We're talking about something that's bigger than like a football team or, you know, something to this effect. We're talking about something that's in life, in purpose and meaning. You know, if you have a common goal in life, you have a common goal in purpose and in meaning and one in going after that. And I think even when you look at our world today, it's very easy to identify someone who's saying, man, there's there's a spiritual warfare that's at place. There's a spiritual enemy that we have and we do have an adversary. And I don't want to be overtaken in this fight. That's what, he, that's what Solomon is talking about. You're up against an enemy that can overrun you. So you, you need, you need a, a good friend because most of us are not Rambo. Right. Where we can be this person who fights this entire army by ourselves. And I think it's easy to look at our world and go, okay, I need a, I need a good friend. I need some, some relationships that will help fight in the same kind of direction that I'm fighting for. But I think the other thing that Ecclesiastes says, you know, Solomon is talking about not just the fight that you're in, but sometimes when you fall, you need a good friend to be there who'll pick you up. Because if you trip and fall when you're by yourself and you're you're hurt, who's going to be that person that lifts you up? Yeah. Who's going to be the person that's going to pick you up, dust you off? And we're all vulnerable to that. You know, having good friendships and having substantial relationships requires a particular self-awareness to say... I might fall in this life, right? and I don't want to. So I need people in my life who are speaking in my life that can kind of see where those stumbling blocks are and help guide and veer me around them or be there for me when I trip and fall on them. And I think that's really when we're talking about friendship, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. We're talking about finding those kind of people who are speaking into your life in that way. And what we hope this podcast becomes is we hope it's that way. We hope that you'll find at least people who are willing to have conversation, who are willing to have a more substantial conversation than just a random 144 characters or something like this, where we're inside of conversation and relationship talking through different particular issues that you might face in this life. And obviously, the best way that you do that is through friendship and relationship. And I believe the best place to find friendship in the world today is at a local church. And if you're not involved in a local church right now, you need to get yourself involved in a local church, wherever wherever you may be. And that's the amazing thing about the world that we live in. You can Google search around you a good church. 
get plugged into that church, start serving, and start being the kind of friend to people in that community. And you can't go into a church context thinking everything's going to be perfect or the way that you think it ought to be because there's no perfect churches. But in the end, you're giving ourselves in the same way that Christ gave himself for the church. And I think that's what, Derek, you were talking about. Like Paul says, I desired to know nothing except save Christ. I just wanted to know Christ in you. That's it. And he's serving the church in this way. And you'll find some of the greatest friends that you'll ever have in this world you'll find inside of a local church. It goes back a little bit to what you were saying about fighting, but I don't know who said it first. I've heard a couple uh, different guys say it, but it's true that if you want to go fast, run alone. If you want to go far, run together. Mm. And speaking specifically about what you were saying about when and if we fall, uh, that's so true. If you fall by yourself, I, you know, I hunt by myself in the mountains a pretty good bit, and I think a lot more about my steps, and there's risk that I probably don't take than I would take with someone with me. Because if I fall back there without self-service, that, that could be the end over a mm-hmm. simple injury. Um, and it's the same is true in this life where when we, the risk is alleviated of, of a lot of damage in our life when if you have someone close to you when you fall. I think that's some of the challenge to friendship too. You know, I think some of the reasons why we don't press into friendship the way that we should, we're afraid to be called on. Yeah. And it's that accountability. That's another measure of what a friendship provides. It provides this accountability to you and to me for the areas of our lives that we, we do genuinely need to be held accountable. I mean, none of us are perfect, and we say that kind of a thing as a way of excusing the wrongs or the bad attitude or the, the things we look at that maybe we shouldn't be. But really what we need is, yes, no one is perfect and ultimately, that's why God has given you his word, his spirit, but that's why God has left his people here. And when we enter into relationship with God's people, they speak into our lives in a way that creates accountability and that creates responsibility. For me, I remember I didn't have like this big, long, rebellious period of my teen years, but I did have a, a small rebellious period. And... I remember it was about ninth or 10th grade and the, uh, the teacher in the high school just took a huge interest in me. And he's just said, I'm not going to let you just treat people like this. I'm going to hold you accountable for the way you're using your words. And God has blessed you. He's given you good parents. He's put you in a good church and you're just going to waste all this away with a bad attitude. And I remember he handed me a book that was called building youth is better than mending men. And I remember reading through this book and thinking the lessons and the principles that they were laying down in, inside of the book were just encouraging. And I I never had anybody that kind of approached me that way. They had always come at it from like, Dave, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, fix this, fix this, detention, detention. But this was somebody who was coming at it from a standpoint, and he was much older. He could have like, I mean, he was a teacher. He could have given me detentions or, you know, kept me after school or whatever. But instead of coming at it that way, he came at it from a place that just said, I'm going to keep you accountable, but I'm going to do it in a way that is relational and friendship-based as opposed to like top-down and you have to do what I say. And you have anybody in your life like that that's kind of been that accountability partner for you? Like whenever you see them coming or maybe back in the past, whenever you saw them coming, you thought, oh man, they can see right through my soul. 
Do you have anybody like that? I had a friend in college who was very much like that. I find that it's easy, especially in a time like college or high school when you're surrounded by your peers. And a lot of times your peers have varying levels of spiritual maturity that you can just on accident overnight find yourself living a double life or even a triple or a quadruple life, depending how many groups of friends you have and the way that you act in different spheres. And I had a friend in college who, um, when I was with some of my friends and saw him, I was just scared. Like, don't come into this conversation. Don't hear what, don't hear this. But really by the end of my college years, I found that because of him, I, I wasn't in those conversations. I find myself living more singularly focused because I knew he'd be there. I knew he'd ask and I'd answer to him. So I think that's what's difficult inside of friendship or relationship is allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing yourself to be transparent and vulnerability and transparency to the degree that you're either or both of those things is the depth of the relationship that you have. And so sometimes when you talk about friends, we go, oh, I got a hundred friends. But how many of those hundred friends are you vulnerable or like truly transparent with? Very few. You have a handful of friends in your life who throughout the course of your life, and it may, it may be a handful at a time, but throughout the course of your life, you're open, you're vulnerable, you're transparent. And for the, to find true friendship, you have to press into that. And that's, that's really one of the encouraging things that we would try to offer to our listeners is to say, don't be afraid of being vulnerable, transparent with spiritual people in your life. We're going to put a qualifier on that. Spiritual people, right? Yeah, right. We're not, we're not talking about like just, you know, any kind of subtweeting or, you know, calling people out on social media, you know, and we're talking about living in real relationship, living in real friendship. I know you, you know me, I'm willing to be vulnerable, I'm willing to be transparent, I'm willing to pull the curtain back and let you see all the way through in order to have somebody there that helps keep me from falling into pitfalls or that's there when I do fall into them. And they're offering that hand up of picking us back up, dusting us off, letting us know that they're there for us and helping us figure out the next two steps or three steps to take in order to avoid that again and not fall back into that into that same kind of mess over and over again. Yeah. And a lot of times the reason we find ourselves kind of habitually falling into the same thing is because instead of pressing into that kind of accountability, instead of pressing into that kind of relationship, we've pulled back from that. And that's not what the Lord would want for us. The Lord has given us true friendship in order to help us in those kind of ways. And it's a, and it's a real gift and we should see it as a gift and we shouldn't see it as something to be avoided. It should be seen as something to be, to be pressed into. And I think, you know, kind of with that in mind, we talk about, okay, well, what ways should friendships keep me accountable or responsible? And really there's, I think at least four things. I'm going to give them to to you, but we'll pull each one apart as we kind of go through it. But there's really four ways in your life that you should live responsibly. You should pursue relationship and friendship with others in order to help you live responsibly in this way. A lot of times, you know, we go, oh, well, I just need people who, you know, will help me do what I want, have the hobbies that I have, participate in the in the games that I want to participate in. But the four areas biblically that you have a responsibility, I have a responsibility in, every person does as a believer, 
First, you're responsible as a Christian. We have basic responsibility as the people of God. We would understand that as just our, our, our living out of our everyday life before the Lord, growing our sanctification. The Christian disciplines like prayer, Bible reading, church attendance. Are you being a good Christian? And when I'm acting, I think, in like the full way that God has called me to act or lead my family, it's because when I have those seasons where I am being that, it's because I'm right with the Lord. And you can't be right with the Lord and at the same time you're talking trash with attitude to your wife or you're ignoring or hating, you know, or, or speaking derogatory to your kids or you're angry at whatever's happening at the office. So the best way that I can love Amanda is for me to put the Lord first. And the best way that Amanda can love me is for her to put the Lord first. So a lot of times you have conversation about, well, I, I want to be the right kind of friend. How does this happen? I want to be the right kind of worker or whatever it might be. And it has to begin with your relationship with the Lord. Let's talk about that. What are some ways that we can be the right kind of Christians that the Lord has called us to be and live responsibly as a Christian? I think the biggest area that I find it's difficult to stay disciplined is the idea of being a part of a church or a spectator at church. Now, um, obviously I work here, so it's a little easier for me to have the roles that I'm in based on the the ministries that I help um, make happen every week. But when it comes time to have an event at the church or to have a special service or when it's a Saturday soul winning or any, any of these opportunities for service that we have at our church, and I'm sure that listeners would have at their church, a Christian discipline that I struggle with is to jump into that wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and let my mind be there to put away other thoughts. And it's so easy to, especially for people who would have a similar testimony that I would have that you've grown up in this, right? And you've been a part of Saturday visitation meetings since you were in the car seat. You just get used to those kind of things and find yourself showing up and being there physically, but really you're, you're a spectator. Mm-hmm. And you're there to watch, and you're glad you're there, and you're glad others are there, but your mind's not there, your heart's not there. There's not excitement and passion. The Christian discipline of just being part of the church with all of your heart, mind, and strength. And when you're there to be there, to be excited and to encourage those around you and to step into the work, it takes discipline. It doesn't happen on accident. It's the opposite. If we, when we don't pay attention to that, we easily become just spectators and Absolutely. just observers. Yeah. As, as it pertains to being a, a Christian and also a friend, I can also see a pitfall that I myself fall into is being a little timid or a little shy to encourage someone to do the right thing mm-hmm. because it's a little inconvenient. Instead of encouraging to take a little step out of their comfort zone to help with a certain event, I kind of try to just softball it, kind of make them, I'm almost approaching them nervously, hoping they won't reject it because I don't want to, I don't want to push them too hard when in reality, as a Christian and as a friend, I should be pushing them and encourage them to do more for God and others. When sometimes I kind of pull back from that and just try to be too considerate and not really looking for their eternal rewards, not looking for their spiritual growth. I, th- I think like, you know, you consider like a question like this, you know, how do we encourage people to, to be the kind of Christian that they ought to be? Repent of your sin, believe the gospel, read your Bible, grow in grace, 
and a lot of times what we what we want is we want this kind of like practical answer fix my marriage fix my thing at the office fix my kids whatever it might be and so we approach some kind of relationship with this kind of objective fix this and what we have to say is there's no quick fix in life it's be the kind of christian live in the kind of way that the bible calls us to live and as we do that then the lord will bless and a lot of times you know people will come to church in that kind of way they'll come to church with this kind of mentality that just says i'm here to get this problem solved yeah and really this isn't the problem the problem is your relationship with the lord either you don't have one or you're running from the lord with like a spirit of rebellion you're blaming it on well it's the person i'm married to or it's my kids or it's my job or it's that one person that did something mean that one time or it was this teacher when in reality it's your relationship with the lord and so when we're talking about someone who is going to come into our life who we can be transparent and vulnerable before and someone who's going to speak into our life and being that kind of person for someone else we want to encourage first of all to be the right kind of christians you you and i regardless of what gifts you have regardless of where you how you've grown up we all have a responsibility as believers to be the kind of christians that god is calling us to be and this is the really good news you don't have to be me and i don't have to be you because being a christian means that god has created made wired gifted you with his spirit uniquely to be who you are. And I, I tell our church all the time, aren't you glad you don't look like me? I'm glad I don't look like you, you know, and they love that point. I, I don't have the same gifts that everybody else has. And other people don't have the same kind of gifts that I have. And that's okay. Like we have to recognize that that's a part of being inside the family of Christ. And so we want to encourage people, recognize that first and give yourself to being the right kind of Christian that you ought to be. And then the other stuff tends to fall in place. It's not That's not to say there aren't a lot of nuanced, deep conversations that have to happen for your marriage. We're not saying that. But what we're saying is if you haven't done this first, like first things first, right? If you haven't done this first, then it's whatever you're addressing down here is like a sub-problem to, to, mm-hmm. to the real foundational problem. But we would also say, like, your second responsibility would be to your spouse, that ultimately you're responsible to be the kind of husband to your wife, or if you're a lady, the kind of wife to your husband, the way that God has called us in His Word to live. And our culture really wants us to pull back from being that and especially as it relates to like manhood don't be so heavy and strong-handed and don't be so you know don't be such a leader and don't be so demonstrative and what we would say to that is yes there's a there's a way to lead there's a correct way to lead that's true but you have to lead if you're the man you know you have to be the kind of man that God is calling you to be for your wife. Amanda needs me to embrace all that comes with biblical manhood in order for me to be everything that I'm supposed to be for her and for our kids. 
and the same's true for your for your wives as well. So I I have to see my responsibilities primarily as okay, first I got to be the right kind of Christian. And then second, for me, I have to be the right kind of husband, but specifically husband for Amanda. And the same for you guys. So like what are some of the things like if a if a husband's listening to this and he's saying, "Okay, like I'm I'm doing this, like I'm going to church, you know, I've got my spiritual life in order, I got my spiritual house in order, but like what about my family? Like so what are what are some like just maybe practical things a husband could do to kind of set his house in order and lead his family in a way that's pleasing to the Lord and that that's helpful. I think making church in general a priority a lot of times falls on the father in that aspect. To make it a priority of, hey, we're going to be in church when the doors are open. Hey, this is going to be a priority. This is something we're going to go to. This is something we're going to make sure we're on time for. This is something we're going to participate in. We're not going to just be spectators, as Evan was talking about. Those kind of things I set the standard for the rest of the family in a way that I, I can I, I didn't have this experience, but I can imagine being a child in a family where you know your dad's doing it by just habit or just mm-hmm. at a duty. There's no excitement there. There's no intensity. There's no eagerness to to be a part of the church family. It's all well. I guess it's that time again. Let's let's try to go back to church for Sunday night. If it's not an intentional decision. I, th- I think that that changes a lot of the it changes the 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 feel of, of it. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of our listeners can relate to what Derek said. I think the rest of them are a step past that, right? Where there's not a question in their house: Are we gonna are we going on, on Wednesday night? Mm-hmm. You know, are are we on time for church? Are we involved in church? Are we going to the activities? Are you going to teen camp? Right, all these things. Um, but you take it a step past that and. Your wife and children need to see you as, as a spiritually mature person, right? I think that so many of the children, the teenagers at our church, and not at our church, but in, in our ch- the church as a whole in the world, they would say that their spiritual leader or spiritual influence or maybe who would they, they would go to for spiritual advice would be a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's not bad that those people are there, but it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, your kids and your wife should know that you know God. And they should yeah. know that you know how to read God's word and apply it to your life. And if they have a question about what that looks like in a situation or how God would want them to handle or or what God has spoken into a place they find themselves in, our families should be able to know that we have those answers. And that we, if we don't, we know how to go to God's word and find them. Mm-hmm. So to make not only that church and that the things of God and the house of God is a priority, but that within your home, God's word is a priority. And whether that looks like family devotions for you at nights or conversations you'd have individually with your wife and your children, spiritual leadership would begin with those that are in our household knowing that God matters at church, but God matters to me at home. God matters to me when I wake up in the morning and I spend time with him, that those people would know that we would be able to guide them and to lead them towards God to apply those same truths in their lives. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is just being authentic. You know, we we want our wives and kids to be open and vulnerable, transparent with us, and we have to be the same kind of way with them. I think another part of this point, though, is, you know, some people would say, well, I'm not married yet. We live in a culture where it's encouraging people to prolong adolescence. What we would want people to know is like, no, God wants marriage, wife, husband, 
God wants this for you, not just for you to continue living on in some kind of prolonged adolescence period where you're just living off mom and dad, not taking life seriously, no purpose, no meaning, video games, silliness, and um, giving your life to just trivial matters. And I think our culture is pushing that further and further. I read some article, maybe Derek, you can find it and drop it into the notes for this, but I read some article where it's talking about they're wanting to extend adolescence into like the 20s. You're not actually out of adolescence until like 25, 27 years of age. Wow. And they just want to push that idea farther and farther down the road. Get married later, get married later, get married later. But there's a part of when you get married and you accept that kind of responsibility that it forces you to mature a little bit. It forces you to grow up. That's not saying that every married person is mature. That's because that's not true, <laughs> you know, but it it does have a way of maturing you, knocking off some of those rough edges that need to be knocked off. And so we're saying you need accountability in your life. So where do we find that? You know, being the kind of Christian you're supposed to be, being the kind of husband, wife, spouse that you're supposed to to be or maybe have. But I think a third level there that is uh, an area of responsibility, at least in the Bible, is towards your family. That means if your daughter wants to play teacups, you play teacups. You know, it's not unmasculine to sit down with your daughter and, and play Cinderella. You know, that's that's actually masculine. You know, it's actually the proper definition of biblical masculinity. It's not unmasculine to take your wife to a Pantages play or the ballet, you know, because you know that's what she needs. That's what she needs in a particular moment or a season. I'll never forget, I made the biggest mistake of my life. And I thought I was taking Amanda to go watch this Christmas program. And instead of it being this Christmas program, it ended up being the Nutcracker on Ballet. Oh, man. And at the Louisville Symphony, Louisville Orchestra Symphony. And it was horrible. And I, I, we get in and we get to our seat and I'm like, what is this show? I literally thought this was like a drama or something. You know, I, thought, I thought it was like there's people going to be up there acting. It was going to be this silly little thing. And they didn't speak a word. And about 15 or 20 minutes into the program, I looked at a man. I'm like, are they going to talk at all? <laughs> like, is anyone ever going to say a word? And she says, Dave, it's ballet. No one's going to say anything. And I thought, well, that was a fail of a date night. If there's ever, if there's ever been a fail, but we went out of there, we got dinner, and I was like, that was so much fun. You know, we to this day we laugh about it, but that's not an unmasculine thing. That's actually a right thing to do for your family, whatever that may look like individually. I think too of like extended family, and I think all of us, at least, we live quite a ways away from our families, and so I think prioritizing your mom, your dad, prioritizing grandma and grandpa, making the effort to get back for special occasions and special events. I know all of us are trying to figure out holiday schedules and summer vacations and family reunions and you can't do it you can't do everything, you can't go to everything. But the the heart should be that you want to mm-hmm. and there should be you know a desire to kind of okay, as much as we can, as much as we can. And we want to prioritize our extended family in that way. And, you know, I, my, my kids are getting older. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm thinking at it from thinking about it from a perspective of saying like, well, my kids are going to be in ministry away 
I want them to come back. Yeah. You know, I want to see them at Christmas time. I want to see them at family vacations. Like the, I don't want to lose those those moments just because my kids have have grown and life has taken them in a in a different direction than maybe like local. So I think it's important to make sure that we're saying the primary people who are going to be speaking into your life, the primary people who hold you accountable, are the people who know you the best. And who knows you better than your mom or dad? Mm-hmm. Who knows you better than your brothers, your sister? You know, who knows you better than those people? Probably very few individuals. And I know both of you have large families, you're super connected with them and you contact each other a lot. But like, what are some of the things that you guys have tried to do to kind of, even though you're far away, you know, you're thousands of miles from mom and dad, but like, what are some of the things you've tried to do to keep connected with mom and dad as you've grown? I think the obvious answer is phone calls as much as you can. But one thing that my family does, and I know we're not the only ones, uh, is we have a Marco Polo group. Wait, and Mark, what's, what is Marco Polo? Marco Polo is a it's an app where you can record videos and then send them. It's like FaceTime, but back and forth. It's not live. They don't see okay. you at the same time. So you record a video. Hey, everybody, how you doing? This is what I'm doing today. This is something I want to let you know about that's nice. happening with me and Allison. And then my family can all watch that at different times and then answer back with their... With a video of With a own. video of That's their a own. Cool so it's just a whole yeah. thread of everyone's so, face so and we're talking that. You're back You're actually seeing each other. Right. That's super cool. What about you, Derek? What do you guys try? I try to get back as often as possible and see my family. Most of them still live there in Indiana. So I, I can pretty much see all of them with one... Most of them with just one visit. But it's, it's a lot of traveling, really. Just, yeah. You know, a lot of them have to travel to come all the way out here. I think I think for like for us like text groups are pretty simple. I, I wasn't aware of this Marco Polo thing, but I'm gonna tell Amanda about that. She'll she'll it's get a game changer. She'll get everybody on that. We just we just added uh, Ethan's um, girlfriend to the My our our family group oh, chat, man. which is called Spam and Cheese. You know, so that's <laughs> like that's 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 a huge step for us. So we have other families that are coming into our family, and so for me, like I I look at it from this side of the spectrum and say like, I, I don't want to lose connection with my kids. And I, moms and dads are, are afraid of that. I, I would challenge any like young adult listener who who's listening. Like, you just text your mom and dad, you know, it's not it's simple. Just like love you, you know, that'll make their life that you thought of them. And really what they want to do is they want to be included. They want to just be included in whatever you're doing. They're excited about it because you're excited about it. I know we have some, people who've already followed the Instagram and interacted with the podcast a little bit who are college students. And I think what, what you just said, they need to hear again, rewind and listen to that again. Call your mom. Yeah. You're in school. You think you're busy. You'll be busier later. You have time. Call your mom, call your dad. You don't have to have big news. Yeah. You know, tell them what you did today. Tell them what class you're struggling with. Tell them the funny thing that your friend said. And that will that will mean the world to your parents. If you'll just reach out to them, you're in school, so that means you haven't been gone real long. They're still get even if you're a sophomore or junior, they're still getting used to it. So reach out to them, let them know, and uh, keep them included. And not only have you not been gone too long, but you still count on them to help you pay your bill. <laughs> yes, you're still under their health insurance. <laughs> yeah, you're still on that cell phone plan. Yeah. Hit them up. That's Hit them it. Up. Call them with the phone they're paying for. I, I think the last area of responsibility is, you know, as a, as a worker, being the right kind of employee, going to the office, doing the job that God has gifted or created or built you to, to do. 
for me, obviously, is pastoring, but for others, it's different things. And recognizing that as like purpose giving to your life and saying, okay, I'm going to press into this and not pull away from it. You know, they, uh, Twitter was just bought out by, uh, who's the guy? Derek? Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon. Yeah, Elon Musk. Elongated muskrat. <laughs> and you have, uh, you said, they, so they, like, did you see the, like, letter the workers wrote in response no, to him? what did it say? So, like, you know, there were all these demands that they have. And one of the things was, like, they were afraid of this toxic, like, work environment <laughs> he's going to bring to Twitter. And then their specific demand was, he's going to make us work 40 hours a week in the office. <laughs> like, this was toxic. <laughs> this was the toxic environment he was going to bring, you know. Breaking news, I just discovered that I, too, work in a toxic environment. If those are the definitions, then help me. Yours is ultra toxic. <laughs> are you kidding me? What you, you tell me a minute ago? You put 20 hours in just like last night, you know? So, yeah. like, yeah. 40 hours a day. 40 hours a day. Oh, man. Not being afraid of work. You know, it's it's meaningful. It's what makes life meaningful and substantial. And it is tiring, of course. But it's, it's what gives us fulfillment at the end. And the Lord desires to use us in a way that, man, where he's put you as far as like a, a, a corporation or in an office or at a factory or whatever it is, the Lord desires to use you in, in a way to bring him glory and to bring the unsaved to the gospel in that way. We have to see our placement in life as that. And when we do... We find we find life to be more meaningful, substantial in that way. So this has been a, a longer explanation of what we're hoping someone finds. But I don't I don't know about for you guys, but do you have any kind of final thoughts to just say like, hey, you know, this is this is what we desire, you know, faith by hearing. That as you listen to this podcast, that you're encouraged to be the kind of person that the Lord wants you to be and we hope you find some substantial, substantive conversation that will encourage that in you, and we hope that you that you find help. We hope that this helps you find a, a good friend who will be that for you right right where you are. But you guys got something to add to that? I would say that all of the these four areas of responsibility they build on one another, right? When you are stepping into your role of responsibility towards God. It enables you to step into your responsibility towards your wife. And when you're taking up that leadership with your wife, then the rest of your family and the priority of them will naturally follow. And as your family is in order and your home is a happy place to be and you enjoy being home and you have quality time with those that you love, then it feeds into your work and you're a better, healthier employee when you get to your workplace and it's easier for you to feel that purpose and develop passion and drive towards the occupation that you have. Um, I do want to let everybody know that we are on Instagram as well as Twitter. Instagram, we are at Faith by Hearing Podcast. And we're doing a sticker giveaway right now. A few of you have already uh, taken part in that. But the rest of you, hop on there. Get that free sticker. Get that free sticker. We're paying shipping and everything. All right? You'll see it's going to be our most recent post at the release of this podcast. Go ahead and share that post. DM us your address and a proof of subscription. 
What, we'll, where are they supposed to put that sticker? Man, I think uh, in today's current cultural context, a hydro flask seems like the uh, where most stickers end up. That's right. I'm from the South where we all put stickers on Yeti coolers. So if we got any listeners below the Mason-Dixon, you know what to do. Back of your laptop. Back of your laptop's good. If you want to be real bold, throw I mean, throw it on the car. Mm. Mm. Back it is, window. It is not a waterproof sticker. Just no, Don't disclaimer. throw it on the car. <laughs> and don't put it on the inside of the water bottle. Make sure it's only on put the outside. Put it right there on the front of your steering wheel. There you go. But, uh, yeah, keep that in mind. Keep an eye on the Instagram and the Twitter. We'll let you know when episodes are coming out. And we have some other giveaways. We are all big merch fans. Let's do it. I have... At least three or four hats or t-shirts from other podcasts that I listen to. So merch is important. We have some more ordered. It's on the way, and that'll be available. Are you giving us a preview of the merch that's going to be available Not right yet. there? Not Ooh, yet. Not yet. It's top secret. We might let them know next week, but we'll let you buy that. We'll also give some of it away. So keep tuned on Instagram, and we'll let you know when that'll be available. But uh, follow the Instagram, share it, send it to a friend. When you're having a meaningful conversation, mention it. Let them know about it, and we'd be glad to... Uh, be a blessing and hopefully a help to you, you and your friends who would listen. And we're, we're doing our best to make sure we post regularly. So we'll be posting every Tuesday morning, Lord willing, at 9 a.m. That'll be 9 a.m. Pacific time where we are in Long Beach. That'll be our goal. So make sure to tune in, subscribe to our podcast. If you like us, give us a good rating. If you don't, then uh, just direct message Evan. And let it. him know what you don't like about his beard. So if you have a positive comment, drop it in into the uh, Instagram page. If they have a negative comment, they can email that to Yeah, that's uh, faithbyhearing at gmail.com. <laughs> Is that a real email? That's a real email. It's live. So faithbyhearing at gmail.com if you got some feedback. Or let us know topics. If you had questions about what we talked about today or even conversations that you would like to hear in the future. Uh, drop those in our Instagram messages, Twitter direct message, or even that email, which is faithbyhearing at gmail.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear, and uh, we'd be glad to get to it in a later episode. We want to thank everybody for hanging out with us, and I uh, hope you guys have a great day. We'll see you on the next one. I always hear the Do Perfect song in my head whenever anything yes. feels like it should be over.